This is the First Five Marriage Podcast with Jordan and Christy Ogden. Our mission is to inspire and equip young couples with a high vision for their marriage. I'm Jordan. And I'm Christy. And we want to welcome you to this edition of our podcast. I think you and I both encountered this, the inability to just talk. Right, right. And, and I think another thing, Jordan, is that the talking is part of initiating it, too. And, and, I, and I don't see, I see couples at times, like I've had two couples this month where the wife was saying, I would enjoy a little more frequency than what we have, uh, but I kind of look to you to initiate and you haven't been initiating. Hmm. And he was saying, well, but he said, I, I, I just fear that if I initiate, I'll get rejection and I know you're really, really tired. And she said, sometimes I am and sometimes I will say no, because if I can't say no, I can't really say yes. <laughs> But there's other times where you need to try, you know, and, 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 and reach out. So I think that whole talking part of it, initiating, and then I don't like to use the word refusing or rejecting. I like to use the word postponing. Because I think in a really good marriage and sex life, they're both saying to each other, I like sex, I like sex with you, but tonight may not be the night, but let's try it again Friday or let's try it again Saturday. Right. So I, I think this talking before, during, and after, I talk, I think the whole ability to communicate initiation skillfully, postponing skillfully, really helps a sex life. And it doesn't happen by chance. You have to practice some of this sure. to really get it. Yeah. And, you know, as, as I listen to you, I'm thinking that's got to be part of the heart and soul of what it means to have sexual wholeness in a marriage because the, uh, in marital intimacy. Because if the communication is breaking down and either the husband or the wife is feeling rejected, even by what you just said, a postponement, that should be exciting. Like, oh, well, thank you for communicating that to me. I'll be looking forward to that. But, you know, but I know that sometimes that can, that can come off even with good intentions. That can come off as, oh, you know, there, there it is again. I just got rejected uh, again. So I just wanted to say that. But you, what you brought up made me uh, think of something um, uh, along the same lines, but a little different. And this is, I've heard uh, Deborah talk about this. I've heard you talk about this, this concept of um, the, the receptive desire on the part of not all females, but, uh, but mm-hmm. some, even many, could you talk, that's, that's been a new concept for a lot of the couples that I have worked with. Could you talk to us about that and even how that sure. plays into some of this conversation? Well, it really does play into the whole initiating part of it because what, what some of the research is showing is that women, not all, but often won't be as um, won't be as triggered by just hormonal desire. Right. In other words, in probably eighty percent of marriages, the husband has the higher hormones. You know, more testosterone would be the one that would experience more desire. But what we're seeing is that it isn't that women don't have desire, but that at times it's more of a receptive, triggered desire. Uh-huh. And, and 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 when I'm talking, the gals often as will say, "Yeah, that's true at times." So it's kind of like the wife maybe, you know, it's Friday night and, it, and, and, and everything's aligned so they really could have some, some intimate sexual time. And the husband's been thinking about it all day and he comes home partially aroused and, and the wife hasn't thought about it at all. And so he, he talks to her and, and, you know, and tells about his day and is excited and saying, you know, why don't we make love tonight? That really sounds important and good to me. And, and, and then 
she will say, wow, you know, I hadn't thought about that in a couple of days, but I, I could enjoy that. So it's almost like he initiates. But Jordan, sometimes what happens is the desire still isn't there heavily. But once they make the time and get in bed and get naked and, and start really enjoying each other, her body starts responding, and then the desire is there. So it's almost like initiation, some arousal at times with women, and some men too, precede actually the desire part. Right. And so that, that idea of a triggered or receptive desire <clears throat> would be, especially for husbands, would be helpful to understand that sometimes if you don't initiate, and initiate gracefully and, and, and lovingly and make sure you're emotionally connected, uh, may not the desire may never be triggered and then there may be ways that the wife or husband will have to intentionally say well yeah it let's i i'm going to be a i won't be very much into it at 10 30 or 11 so tonight's the night and let's enjoy each other and start at nine right. and and then once they're in bed sometimes then the desire gets really triggered because they trigger because the arousal's there so i i just think that is a thank you for bringing that up i think that's a good concept to sort through that sometimes we have not because we ask not, sure. James, right. and sometimes we ask and then we need to keep proceeding through arousal to desire. Right, and I, I think it's the, it's the latter, at least, that I run into more. It's that there's initiation and then the, the initiator, as you just described from the research, which majority, if we're going purely off of hormonal desire, 80% uh, male, um, can feel, again, that kind of a wall because they're like, well, I've been thinking about this. You and I, I've learned from you so much of, for women, it's so mental. So she hasn't been thinking about it. She can't just, boom, get there, but she can get there with a receptive trigger desire if the guy will persevere through and be patient with uh, that initiation and allowing her, you know, to move through, you know, some different stages. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that in terms of the um, the mindset. And uh, you know, I've even learned I've, I've learned at the uh, at sexual wholeness, you know, that it can be helpful as a male. This makes no sense to me, right? But I get it now. Uh, you know, of writing it down in the day planner. You know, uh, some people write, they write TS, thanks sex. I'm like, why would you need to ever write that down in the day planner? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I talk to my wife, I talk to women, they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Could you could you uh, expound on that? Well, I I think that even gets into the idea of, of being more intentional. Because uh-huh. I, I, and this is a little broader topic, but I'll, I'll come back to the, that think sex because I think that's important, but I think that think sex or be intentional. I think couples sometimes when they're busy don't realize that if they don't make sacred time, that at times it just won't happen. Right. Because I'll, I'll have couples say we enjoy sex, but we're down to like twice a month, Doug, and I'm saying, oh, that's that's bad, you know, because inertia is going to set in, and if you're down to twice a month, you're probably going to be down to once a month at some point. And so I said. I think what you're going to have to do is forget spontaneity and really think sex uh-huh. <laughs> and and almost say, you know, when are our optimal times? Well, our optimal times are Friday night, Saturday morning, or Tuesday evening right now. Okay, that's three optimal times. Let's see if we can take advantage of a couple of them. So I think, I think this thinking sex and planning in a bigger picture is even just to create a good love life and a good sex life. Uh-huh. But I think, I think 
So, and, and I have wives at times say, that helps me think about sex a little bit more on the day that we're planning. So that rather than take away all my spontaneity, I can be spontaneous in the moment. It still gives me some time where I think and think energy. And I've, and I've had some couples where the wife would say, it doesn't come as easily. Or they'll say to me, you know, Doug, it's not like I never get horny. I never have libido or desire. But it's, but it's like it happens at 2 in the afternoon and he's at work. <laughs> and by the time he gets home, it's gone. Right. And again, so it would need to be triggered. And so some of them will try to think through, what is it that would help me front burner this a little bit more? Like one, one, one wife was saying, I have some lingerie that just rubs on me in a way that makes me think of, you know, my femininity and my sexuality more. Others will say, sometimes I just write TS, think sex, that helps me think it through. Others will say, it really helps me sometimes to have a given optimal time or two because then I save some energy and, and sometimes by the time he gets home, home I've been thinking about it I'm ready too <laughs> so I, I think that whole being intentional making it more sacred is really important right uh, and it, it, wouldn't it be amazing if in the body of Christ we saw a recovery of the sacredness of sex played out couple by couple uh, around the nation and, and in the nations, I I personally think that there we would experience uh, some measure of uh, obviously personal revival, but also corporate revival. And why do I say that? Because as the uh, as the sexual needs that God has built into men and women are met in the way that He designed them to be met. Uh, I just think that there's a lot more joy. I think there's a lot more shalom that is experienced as well um, in that place. And I'm I'm just really looking forward to praying into that, uh, you know, serving couples in that way to see really see the glory of God uh, come alive in this area. Oh, I agree, and I think especially. For millennials, you know, that, hmm. that 80 to 2000, that 20s and 30s now, um, our culture has so distorted it sure. that that I think we have to join together, Jordan, to fight porn, right. uh, to fight just um, objectifying each other, you right. know, just having sex versus truly making love. Right. Uh, I think even just to things like... Uh, you know, making sacred time, but also just, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even speaking totally to men anymore, but just guarding our thoughts right? And, and directing them towards our mate and not being afraid of fantasy because I think our imaginations are an important part of our sexuality and our sexual expression, right? but being able to make it sacred and being right. able to focus it in on our mate right? in, in fun, enjoyable ways. So I agree with you that in some ways, even in the church, we're losing some of that ability to make it special, to make it sacred, to make it personal, to make it really focused in on our mate. Right. So as I so as I listen to you there, and I'm thinking about our millennial listeners, I'm, or I'm thinking about maybe we have listeners that aren't millennials, but they've got kids that are, or they've got friends that are, and they're think they just listen, they just heard you say. Um, you know, taking thoughts captive, so they might recognize that. You know, from Second Corinthians ten, they heard you talk. They heard you talk about you know that place of uh, the imagination. You know, I've when I talk to people, I think one of the when I lived in the South, one of the things that Chris, my wife Christy and I would 
uh, come up against was that, you know, imagination or fantasy was literally a bad word. You know, that you couldn't, you couldn't allow someone free reign in that because, well, you don't know where they're going to end up. Therefore, what? Therefore, they shut it down. Talk to us about, you know, the sanctified imagination, the righteous sense of fantasy and how, you know, how, how does an individual and how do couples bring that into their life without it, without it going, uh, you know, in a, in a wrong place out of bounds? Yeah, I, I, I remember one pastor friend of mine that said for somehow, he said somehow, Doug, the word fantasy just brings up negative stuff for me. But he said, I really love mental imagery. Hmm. And, and he said, I love imagination. And I said, well, that's cool. Let's use those words then. <laughs> you right, know? Right. But I said, it still is that concept that in Ephesians, it talks about how God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. Right. And so it's kind of like in Scripture, it talks about our mind being so important, both the ability to remember things, like things that our mate does or doesn't like, but also I think the ability to get into our imagination and, and have that mental imagery and have that anticipation and have that, that ability to remember things from the past, I think that's really a part of what Proverbs 5 is saying. Drink water from your own well, from your own cistern. Right. And so it's like, like we each of us have a rain barrel where we collect sexual memories. Some of those we need to drain and get rid of, right. drain out. But there's others that we need to just enjoy. My, my classic example that I know you've heard me say, but was one of my clients that just really enjoyed the beach. And, and they had been on some, some beach vacations where it was totally isolated and they'd made love on the beach and, and just, just really enjoyed the sun and, and the tan lines and who knows what. <laughs> so anyway, they would, they would in the middle of winter, like February, they would bring out, you know, get the kids, the grandmas, and they would bring out the beach towels into the living room, and they would set up like they were at the beach and have some wonderful sex. And uh, and I thought, isn't that an interesting and fun way of using your own rain barrel, of using your own mental imagery, your own fantasy, your own imagination in ways that just have fun with each other? Right. And, I, and I said, I'm sure that their co-workers would sometimes sniff and say, oh, suntan lotion, not the beach fantasy again. <laughs> but, I, but I think if we're not careful, we can we can cut off all imagination, mental imagery, fantasy. And so I, I think that that's something that I talk about in Celebration of Sex. I have a whole chapter on fantasy. But that idea that that is us to enjoy, but we can we can make it mate-focused, and, and we can make it the kind of thing that uh, we, we really allow it to just make us more playful. Uh, children especially have such amazing imaginations. Right. And, and I think that at times God wants us in our sex life to be childlike. Right. You know, to be able to be curious and playful and imaginative. Absolutely. So, um, and that, that is, I think that is uh, immensely helpful for couples. Talk about, um, you know, you've written, um, you've written a book called Soul Virgins. So talk about the concept of this, you know, in our culture, um, you have, let's say you have someone that was raised in the church and maybe their parents or their pastor, they wrote, they read a book or, you know, whatever it would be. Um, and they're like, okay, my value is I'm not going to have sexual intercourse before I'm married, but I, but you know, everything else is on the table. I know that you really distinguish between, 
behaviors and, you know, heart and thoughts. And when I'm listening to you talk about fantasy imagination, I'm just starting to think about some of the stuff that you've worked through in Soul Virgin. So what, what do you think would be germane to this conversation from Soul Virgins that you could share with our listeners? Well, one of the things that I think is really is really pertinent here, Jermaine, is that um, is that I like the word soul. And Jordan, the way I'm using soul is in Scripture, oftentimes soul is personhood. Right. It really is talking about a three dimensions, not parts, but every one of us as humans have three dimensions that powerfully interact. And so it's oftentimes we talk... Scripture talks about the body, that we're incarnate, that we are embodied, right. and that the body is good, and the body, you know, expresses love, and the body, you know, has, you know, that's part of being, desiring a wife, and that having a good sex life, and then it also talks a lot about the mind, renewing the mind, and and when God was saying, I'm going to send a new covenant with Jesus, and this second, this new covenant, I'm not going to just do it about behaviors. I'm going to write this, Hebrews, I'm going to write this covenant on your heart and your mind. Right. So I really think that when we look at sexuality, it's important to look at it soulfully. Mm. Like like in my, so when I look at chastity, I don't look at it as just behavior. Right. I look at it really casting a vision so that I, I, I feel like, like we practice fidelity but the fidelity is not just I'm not going to cheat with my body. The fidelity is a mind fidelity and a heart fidelity, too. That's good. And, and so I really feel like if we get that kind of love and commitment, commitment and building of trust, that, that three-dimensional chastity, that three-dimensional virginity applies throughout our life. That we are choosing to be, you know, we're choosing to follow God's design of, I would like you to choose an Eve and Adam and then be faithful to that person sexually right. with your genital erotic sexuality. Right. So I, I think the, that whole concept of soulful three dimensions really applies in our lovemaking because oftentimes if the woman's mind and emotion isn't connected, it's going to be hard to get her body to be connected. Right. And, and I think if she really feels loved and not objectified, almost a heart thing, that's easier for the body to respond. So I, 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 I like the whole soul idea and that, that there's a soulful chastity and even talk about being soul sexy. Uh -huh. If there's something about my wife, her body's sexy to me, but there's something about when she just winks at me <laughs> and, and we've shared so much or we're making love and she just grins. You know, there's something that's sexy about her personality, you know, her femininity right. that, that, that's deeper, that's, that's a mental heart thing, not just a body thing. Sure. So I, 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 I like that concept and try to really get across in a singles book, you know, for single sexuality that we're three-dimensional. So we're practicing a 3D sexy. We're practicing a 3D chastity. We're really practicing that three-dimensionally. Right. So let, let's close in this way, staying on this, uh, this soul versions topic. You know, the ideal would be that singles, uh, they get your book and they – they go through it, they practice what is in it. So they enter marriage, uh, understanding those three different dimensions. They are, they're approaching life and sexuality from that soul definition that you just 
that you just gave us. Uh, but we know that the reality is that many, uh, many don't enter marriage that way. And so there is more brokenness. And I'm going to say disintegration, uh, just meaning a lack of integration and a lack of being integrated body, soul, and spirit uh, in terms of that personhood. So for our listeners that, that hear you, and again, they're like, I agree with everything he's saying. I just am looking for some uh, some hope, some encouragement, and even for some practicals on uh, I am experiencing brokenness. I'm wanting to experience sexual wholeness. How would you How would you close us, Doug, today um, for that type of listener? Well, I see Jordan. I see in my office two different kinds of brokenness. One of the brokenness that I see is the baggage that's pretty often gotten in high school and college and post college with sexual experiences, etc. But I also see a brokenness where the young girl or guy grew up in a church setting where they really didn't discipline sexuality, they just repressed it. Right. So I get in my office a brokenness of I don't like sex because my message in the church was sex is bad, save it to marriage. <laughs> and our sex is suspect. So what would I do with that kind of dual brokenness? Well, I would I would I would I think a part of a good sex life would be being able to redeem things, and God's just a God of redemption. So I think some of it is being able to maybe do some good reading about healthy sexuality and listen to a podcast like this one where they're able to really be able to, you know, um, have have a sense of what might be healthy and whole. And then I think, I think too, Jordan, that we really have to learn how to have forgiveness if we want a marriage to work. Mm. And, and I think some of that is is appropriating forgiveness from our past. Right. And that, that ability to say, you know, Lord, I'm just not all that I did. I love that 10th Avenue North song that said, you are more than the sum of your past mistakes. Right. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. So I think, I think this is a good way to close of saying, would you allow God to redeem? Would you allow God to teach? Would you allow God to give you something really special that that is that's not only possible, he just would love to bless you with that. But you're going to have to do some self-forgiving, sure. forgiving each other. You're going to have to do some learning right. and, 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 and being able to create more uh, to get beyond culture, to really learn to make love. But I'm just so it's just so exciting working this area because I see over and over God transforming, redeeming creating sex lives that they never thought they could have and, and, and feeling personal forgiveness and healing too. Right. And, you know, and that's, and I think that's why you and I are, are in this, uh, in working in this area. Cause we, that's what we desire. We desire to see, uh, God's redemption. We we desire to see men and women functioning as God intended for them, uh, to function. Cause we know that's going to be, uh, the place of great blessing for them as well as through them as they, um, yeah. uh, impact the world. Yeah. Doug, Doug, thank you for your time for our listeners that I, I know that our listeners today are like, man, I need to get a hold of what uh, Doug has written and produced. Where can they go to find those resources? Just probably the easiest place really is just one of the booksellers like Amazon. Uh-huh. They can they can find Total Intimacy or Soul Virgins or both Celebration of Sex and Celebration of Sex for Newlyweds. That's probably the easiest, Jordan, just to go to like ChristianBooks.com or Amazon. Okay, perfect. Yep. So, so 
uh, we would just uh, invite everyone to go there, check out Doug's material. Like me, you will you won't be able to uh, purchase just one. Uh, you'll want your whole library stocked full. Um, so that's it, Doug. Thank you again. Um, thank you. You know you're so busy and just very grateful for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye.